Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. My friends, it has been another wild and woolly week. Welcome to the state of California as it regards your checkbook and gasoline prices. Do you love Joe yet? Do you love him? Are you loving Mr. Joe Biden yet? Because some of you out there, when I say that, you should be, there should be a, a repulsive vomit response. You just go, <laughs> and so you go, oh, but we love Joe because he doesn't do mean tweets and all that other. Hey, let's have some fun. Let's do a little bit of roasting because who knows? Whether it's Joe Fool or the madman known as Vlad, hell, they may nuke us all this next week. So before they do, let's put out some pointers, point out a little bit of the obvious, and have some honest conversation. And I got to tell you something. If you are not lighting up, and by lighting up, I'm talking calling, emailing, and going to the website of every United States House member and every Senate member right now and tell them to stop the sanctions, stop all this aid, um, you're not doing your patriotic duty. And I say that because I know the audience that I reach, uh, we have a lot of you listen, not only here on the Voice America Network, but also listen to uh, on iHeart from the show I used to do on iHeart, maybe doing again on iHeart. Um, this is just something that we have to do. There's a lot that's going on that's not being reported on the Western side of the equation. I'm not saying Big Vlad Vad should, you know, go out and do what he's been doing, but there's been some steps of justification, and, and it's not looking good for Team Biden. I'm telling you, it's just not looking good. Before we jump into that, let's look at a couple of things. Let's talk about some housekeeping. Uh, the website, informationedge.net, a uh, big, big push for you folks on the newsletter a couple of weeks ago. I appreciate it. Um, today, I updated the blog, and we're going to kind of follow the show with the blog, and it's basically, uh, you can have Tehran. I'm going to have West Texas. And we'll get into what that means. But at the bottom of that, there is a sign up for the newsletter. I do a quarterly newsletter that's going to be coming out. Obviously, I've done this quarter. I'll be doing next quarters again. And I have topics that are pertinent to what's going on, some insight. Sign up for the newsletter, go through. But remember, this is a resource site. This site was built for you. Obviously, I've got an area where we got advertisers. You know, that's who's sponsoring the show, the blog, show topics. This is one of the things that we cover. It doesn't mean these are the only things we cover, but it's the core of what we cover. And then obviously the government sites, that's a resource site. If you're going, well, Darren, I don't know how to contact every member of the United States House of Representatives or United States Senate. Well, guess what? I've done the work for you. Go to the government site. It's got congressional sites. It's got other federal government key sites. I've even done the state sites for you. I've done all that work for you so that you can go in and hunt people down, call them, email them, go to their websites, flood them with information. Cause I'm telling you right now, they fear you more than they fear their casual country club up in D.C. or in your state house if you're trying to go after that. You can also follow me social media-wise. Twitter, it's at InfoEdge65. For those of you who do Twitter, uh, yeah, the old account got nuked. Um, doing a lot more on Gab and Getter at DGNC65. Those are the best ways to follow me on social media. I will tell you I, I'm a little more loquacious on Gab and Getter than I am on Twitter because that's what got me nuked in the first place. 
Uh, they don't like free thought on Twitter, but I know some of you go, well, huh? I'm just going to stay with Twitter till the end. Not a problem. I get it. I, I understand. And that's what, the reason I haven't killed it yet. So let's get into what's going on right now. The topic today, you can have Tehran. I'm going to take West Texas. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Because this is, this is insanity that is being ratcheted up because children are occupying adult bodies somehow, and they can't sit down and talk. And I've got everybody, well, I support Ukraine. I support Ukraine. That's fine. Support the Ukrainian people. Don't necessarily support the Ukrainian government. Because as we're going to go through today, they are not without blood on their hands that helped start this process. You got bad actors. The Ukrainian government's a bad actor. Obviously, Putin's a bad actor. But he's not as bad as you're, as you're going to think when I'm done today. And then we've got this idiot at 1600, Joe Fool, better known as the outlaw Joe Biden. Um, and I'm not going to be kind. We're past This man needs to be removed from office. And, I, and I'm hoping it's done in a proper, peaceful environment when there's a change in November. But I'm going to tell you right now and, and, and mark it here, if there's not pressure relieved at the pump and other things within the next 60 to 90 days, we're not going to make it to November, folks. You're going to have people in the streets that are start, going to start looking at federal officials as uh, as target practice. And I, I say that, not worried about getting censored, not worried about getting bumped off. I'm just giving you a prognostication of where I personally think it's going to go because when you starve people out, when you have them where they can't do basic necessities, you know what they look at? They take government the law and they throw it out with, with the trash. And we've got to get we've got to make some things happen so it doesn't reach that point. That's what this show is. And part of that is educating you as to why you need to make the steps. Okay. So is Vladimir Putin, is he a madman? Okay. Is he, is he really insane? Maybe, maybe, but does he have some reasons? Does he have some reasons of what things are wanting to be done? People forget that this goes back to really 2014. There was a, and I'm going to go into more on that in just a second, but effectively there was a treaty in 2015 that France and Germany put forth that Russia and Ukraine, and then the UN kind of, they, they gave it the, you know, blessing that said those, those two sections of the Donbass region with, which had the Russian separatists were recognized and had special treatment. And Ukraine was responsible for that special treatment. You see, Ukraine hasn't been following up on its treaty responsibilities. There's, there's one of your problems, okay? Now, there's some problems that go back prior to that, but that's what's led up some of the current events that we have. And those two areas in the Donbass region, I covered this a couple of weeks ago, those areas have wanted to be effectively, they, they've wanted to be Russian. That's their call. Whether the Ukrainian president likes it or not, that's their call. They can do that. Moscow didn't take it back in 2014, but this time around, Putin, he recognized him. Why? Because they're getting shelled. There were things that were happening. So there were some gigums, all right? So that's a, that's a problem. Now, right now, and I heard this a week, actually about two, two weeks ago, didn't come out and say anything um, in the original. I, I talked about this three weeks ago, and then I had Senator Birdwell on last week. By the way, uh, thank you for all the wonderful uh, comments and stuff on Senator Birdwell. Brian's a fantastic uh, – he's, he's not only a great senator for the state of Texas, but he is a wealth of knowledge, and we will have him back on the show. But I didn't tap into too much of it when we had him on the show because things were just – this has been real fluid, okay? What you're finding out now is that 
the United States has had bioweapons facilities in the country of Ukraine that we have been funding. And this goes back to 2005. Barack Obama was part of it as a U.S. senator, but it also kind of started under um, 43. And then I think it took off under Obama. And if you go back and you look at the history on this, the history on it, well, was in 2005. We want to go in and secure and destroy any biological weapons left over from the Soviet era. And by and in 2005, it hadn't been that long, 10, 10, 12 years to be sure that they're secured and destroyed. That was the original thought sponsor, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'll buy that. Challenge is that was 2005. This is 17 years later. And what Russia has found and apparently the knowledge is they had knowledge of these labs prior to, and by the way, they're presenting this data to the United Nations right now, is that these labs weren't just there to secure and destroy. These labs have actually been doing a little bit more than that. They've been doing research. They've been doing development. Several years ago, the U.S. government during the Obama administration paid for a new bio-level three lab in Odessa, Ukraine. Why would we do that? There, there's better countries for that. You, you do it in, in a situation like this, in my opinion, if you're wanting a militarily stratiated option for chemical warfare, if you go to war with your next door neighbor. Now, a lot of people said, well, this is garbage, blah, blah, blah. It's, 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 it's conspiracy theory, Darren. It's just there's no truth to it whatsoever. Well, we got a problem with that because the other day, gosh, and, and I, I almost felt for um, Under Secretary of State Victoria Newland in front of the U.S. Senate when they're, you know, they're talking about this stuff and Marco Rubio, said, you know, he asked a question that he's expecting a no response to. So he can go, well, this has been debunked about the U.S. having bioweapons labs in Ukraine. And Victoria Newland said, no, sir, we do have bioweapons labs in Ukraine. And furthermore, to really kind of <clears throat> set, set your skin afire, she said, we have extreme concerns about the Russians getting their hands on this. Now, hold the phone. How do we go from 2007, um, we're going to secure them and destroy them, to 2022, we're concerned about them getting their hands on there. Well, if it's the same stuff that you secured in 2005, it's already Soviet-era technology from a chemical weapon standpoint, isn't it? Right? Right? Well, maybe not. Maybe we have been developing illegal chemical weapons in Ukraine for potential use against Russia. That would make us complicit in some things. That might give Vladimir Putin a reason to go, I'm going to go in and help these guys that want to be Russian, and I'm going to go check out and see if I've got some chemical labs that could harm my country. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going, well, he doesn't have a right to do that. Let me, let me explain something to you, ladies and gentlemen. If Mexico was doing that along um, – our borders or Canada was doing it along our borders. I promise you the United States would take action on it. So pull your head out of the rectum, 
take a breath of fresh air and look at the reality of what we're being presented with from a factual standpoint. Now, I do not, I think, pass the action of going into the Donbass. I do not support what he's done and going further into Ukraine and doing all these bombings. But I think, I think Putin had some reasons to go in aside from what he felt was security for the Donbass region. And I'm going to tell you something. This is important because all the stupid sanctions that are trying to come out right now, which, by the way, have to be passed by both houses of Congress, the House and the Senate. I don't think it's going to pass. Then those sanctions won't go through. And that's actually better for us because right now the price at the pump you're feeling is not because of Russia, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not. You're being lied to on every level. That's kind of where this is right now. So let's talk about the village idiot, which brings me to Vladimir Zelensky. Did you guys realize this guy was an actor and comedian before he was installed as the president of Ukraine? And I say installed because he was. Go back to 2014. I covered this a little bit two weeks ago. Someone can I have a brief refresher, but you can go back to the, the blog and the show, uh, you know, Outlaw Joe and Big Bad Vlad. But realistically, you, you have to go back really to 2009 when Obama tried to get a pipeline that wasn't Russian to go through several states, including the state of Syria. Okay, Syria wouldn't have anything to do with it. Why? Because they were backed by Putin. Obama started a, a war with Syria that became a civil war with Syria and destroyed hundreds of thousands of lives of people. He's got blood dripping all over him. You, you, you jackasses in the press, just let them get away with it. Well, when they were unsuccessful with that, rather than importing U.S. liquid natural gas and liquid propane gas like they could have been, like we could have been exporting, instead, they wanted to keep a pipeline that they could keep their hands on. And I told you the name of a company called Euro Energy, and Euro Energy is a, basically, it's a company that operates to profit political people in on on all sides of the aisle okay it operates in europe and it's designed to help make money well if they have a gas pipeline they can own a part of that and they can make their profits don't let for one second believe for iota that any of the energy changes are about benefiting you they're about putting money in their pocket they'll tell you one thing out of one side of their mouth and then on the other side they talk a different story of their actions you can simply follow the trail so when Syria failed and that attempt to get that pipeline in there failed, they had to look somewhere else. Well, guess what? There's Ukraine, Zelensky. We already knew the former president, uh, Poroshenko. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. We knew he was corrupt, but he was pro-Russian corrupt. They knew he was doing things he wasn't supposed to do, but he was doing it to the evil Ruskies. He wasn't doing it for us. So what did Obama and the company do? Which, by the way, Joe Biden... Joe Fool Biden headed up during this period of time. They tried to go in and cozy him up more to, more to the, the European Union, get some things. Let's get that gas going in there. Well, that was, that was like a declaration of war with Russia. So what did they do? They took him out. They installed Zelensky. Folks, Trump was not the first successful coup attempt. It was Poroshenko. They took his ass out in 2014. That's why Putin invaded Ukraine at that time. That's why the separatists took over the Donbass region, and that's why he went in and basically walked in and took over Crimea, who had been saying, thank God we want to be Russian again. And here's the reason why. That's a very poor country. Not that it has poor assets. It has poor distribution. 
They're not getting opportunities for people to go out and make money. That's a problem of the Ukrainian government. Mr. Zelensky hasn't been any better. He's been the, uh, we'll call it the political laundromat for D.C. elites of both sides of the aisle. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I challenge you to come up with a logical reason of why Joe Biden avoids the U.S. border like it's a plague. Oh, it's all fine down there. Folks, I live in Texas. I know it's not fine. You know, we're doing what we can, but I think maybe Greg Abbott needs to look with what's happening over Ukraine. So maybe I just need to open fire on these people, get a little uh, lethal action. Maybe that'll stop them. Because right now, Joe Joe's policy is not doing it. That's illegal action under the Constitution. He's not doing his constitutional responsibility. I've done a show on that. Go back and read that. The reality of the situation is he's running to Ukraine. $14 billion in aid? Are you freaking kidding me? $14 billion? Folks, do you know what we could do here in the United States with $14 billion if we lined up entrepreneurs for five miles long? Said, okay, we're going to give you a million, you a million. Now, you got to get a business plan. Got to get with a banker. You got to, you know, set some rules. We want you to go start a business. Do you understand the economic explosion that we could have in the United States if we put that money here? Do you know why they're giving $14 billion in aid to Ukraine? It's the last load of laundry that's going over there. They know they got to get that stuff laundered because Ukraine is about to be shut down as the international laundry piggy bank. That's why Joe wants it. That's why he's fighting so hard. That's why oh, we, we got to get NATO or we got to do whatever it is. We got to get troops over there. Up to the point of we're not actually putting troops on the ground. We're not going to do a fly zone. We're not going to commit war. Why? Because, well, we really don't have a reason to do it. Ukraine is not a NATO country. Ukraine does not have a arms treaty with us. And Ukraine is not recognized as the EU to go in and put it in unless the EU, EU excuse me, the UN wants to do that. And I don't give the UN a lot of credence for over here, but over there, it means a lot to those folks. So why are we going to World War III over a country in Ukraine? And don't get me wrong, my heart goes out for the, the Ukrainian people. I don't like what Putin has done past the Donbass. I think that's going to stain whatever he's found that's legitimate. But Zelensky's not without fault here. And Biden's a, Biden's a crook. The man is an outlaw. I detailed it in actual violations in the articles within the Constitution, and he's doing it again. He's moving troops without congressional authority and all this other nonsense. This is a last-ditch effort because they know they're going to lose them. And it just, you know, I just sit, I want to sit down and vomit. I just want to sit down and vomit. So let's get into what Joe has told you is going to bring Russia to its knees. And I think right now it's bringing you and I to our knees because of the pain at the pump, and that's sanctions. And this is where I call him dumb and dumber. The, the, what you have to understand is Vladimir Putin had a lot of things in balance before he stepped one foot into Ukraine. If this is a game of chess, which it is, Putin was at checkmate before he ever made a move. He had money set aside. He knew what his targets were going to be within the Donbass. He knew where he wanted to go with these labs. He also told, you know, a lot of people said, well, why is he going after Chernobyl? Well, there's a dam at Chernobyl that blocks water from going into Crimea. That's why he's targeted that. And I think the reason it's gone further is he's hoping that Zelensky would 
come and, and deter and defer and go in, or he would find him and kill him. Now, the reason that hasn't happened is us, the United States. Okay, we're pushing to get aid there. We're pushing to get arms there. We're not step. We're not going to get our people dirty, at least not yet, they're saying. But everything that we're doing gives Ukraine a false sense of hope that somehow either the UN or the EU or the U.S. or a combination thereof, NATO, whatever, whatever euphemism we want to put out there, is going to be their white knight in shining armor. The reality is it's not. And because of that, Ukraine is not sitting down and negotiating. There's been some pretty, look, whether we like them or not, there's been an off-ramp that Putin has put out there. No one's taking the off-ramp. Instead, you got Zelensky saying, well, I want to know fly zone. I want this, I want that. The hell with you, buddy. I'm not going to commit U.S. Treasury. And every one of these sons of bitches in Washington, D.C., male, female, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, that just voted for $14 billion to go to these people, those rat bastards need to be removed in the next election cycle. And if they don't get removed, they need to find another way to take Brandon to the bus station. This is ridiculous. We've got to stop this foreign aid. If we stop foreign aid and we stop all the money we spent and focus on America, we could get rid of our debt and we could start the greatest economic engine that history has seen in more times than one, the most recent being under President Trump. We've got to make challenges and changes at the box office because here's what's happened, okay? I know you're paying a lot at the pump. I just paid shoot, 405 which is, the, I think, the most I've ever paid for a gallon of gas in Texas, which is higher than even what it got in 2014 because of all this nonsense. And it's going to go higher. Here's the reason it's going to go higher. Timing is everything. This beast that Vladimir Putin is from an energy standpoint was not built overnight. This goes back to 40 years in the 70s due to um, pressure from liberal groups due to pressure from environmentalists due to building the EPA to be the monster it was, we started basically, instead of serving ourselves, we started becoming servants of others from an energy standpoint, okay? And one of the things was we've not built a refinery here, good Lord, 40, 50 years. We've maintained a lot. But we've not built a new one. And the elites that put this in, in power and put this in process they looked at fuel refining as, ooh, it's messy and nasty. and We don't want that here. That needs to go somewhere else. Well, it did go somewhere else. And there was a couple of reasons for that, what I just mentioned. And then a little transaction that was offered by the Saudis to then-President Jimmy Carter to come in and buy land, build refineries, get exclusive distribution of Saudi product, oh, my God, and refine it. Mr. Peanut turned it down. Comrade over in Russia didn't. And I started a whole new relationship. If you'll notice the last couple of days, the Saudis, you know what they did to Biden. They basically embarrassed him. There's a reason for that, which we're going to get into. But the reality is the Saudis are heavily in bed with the Russians. They send them their products for refining. They built out their refining system. So while that was the first step in building that beast is get rid of the refining. That was a policy decision that was made by U.S. politicians at the behest of and payment of those special interest groups. So that was one way that the beast was built. And over time, 
you stop and look at what's happened in the last 15 years. You stop and look at all the coal fire plants that have been taken offline, both in the United States and globally, even though from a perspective of having our own plants and having our own, we got, we're the, the United States is actually the, the largest producer of coal on the planet. So the reality is what we've got going on is they started shutting down coal fire plants here across the pond. Here's the other problem. Now I don't have a problem with nuclear. The challenge is where you get the fuel from, but you've also had several parts of Europe that have started to shut down their nuclear plants because they've said, well, we're going to get rid of coal. We're going to get rid of nuclear and we're going to go green. Now the challenge with going completely green. And if you're an environmentalist, I challenge you to call into the show and we'll have this debate live. You cannot run the planet on green energy. You can do applications. You can run certain sectors. There's a lot you can do with it, but you cannot power the world on green energy. You just can't. The technology's not there. I'm not saying it won't be there one day, but currently in this lifetime, as we talk today, it is not there. And that is a reality. So what's happened is everybody's been shutting down the coal plants. Everybody's now in Europe has been shutting down their nuclear plants thinking we're going to get, okay, we're going to go to clean natural gas. Natural gas is a cleaner product. Oh, great. Well, who's the supplier? Well, we got Qatar. We got Russia. Oh, by the way, Russia owns a bunch of Qatar's gas. And we got the United States. This is great. It's going to work out. It works out until you piss off the wrong person that holds the supply. And as I covered a couple of weeks ago, Russia is the globe's gas stop, literally in refined products from petroleum, and in natural gas, and in Europe's case, they provide the big, big chunk of it. Big, big chunk of it, okay? Now, the challenge that we've got in providing that big chunk is they become reliant on it. And it's not just them, by the way. The United States has got 50 or so refineries, active refineries, and those run at about 35% capacity because of EPA guidelines. Russia has over 700 that run 100% 24-7. What most people don't understand, and this gets back to what I'm telling you about on sanctions, the reason that we've had a pretty good run is, for example, Exxon and Mobil and Shell, Chevron, Phillips 66. Yeah, they've got capacity for refining here, but they don't have enough capacity to refine the products that we need nationally. So what they do is they produce what they can uh, that goes domestically for refining, but they also send it off to Russia to be refined and come back. One of the reasons, folks, that we were so prosperous under Trump, he understood this balance. He understood this balance. He had our producers producing more. What most of you didn't realize is we weren't refining anymore, okay? And I will tell you, all this talk of Russian crude coming in the United States, it's either people just really, really stupid or they think that you don't understand and therefore they're just going to throw it out there. Russian crude is a product called Rebco. It does not come into the United States. Has it for a long time. They don't have a need to. They can refine it and sell it over there. What happens is, is we bring in refined products from Russia that either we supply or the Saudis or the Russians supply, but it's a refined product. In other words, it's gasoline, it's jet fuel, it's diesel. It's not crude. There's a difference. You have to refine crude to make those other products. 
So again, I don't know if this is outright ignorance. I don't know if it's outright lying, but you're not being told the truth there. So here, here let me get back to the sanctions. Because we don't produce enough here right now, even though we can get back to it and we don't refine enough, what's happened is global inventories. When he came out and said, we're going to sanction Russian fuel and fuel products, everybody went, oh, explicative. And people stopped buying Russian fuel. Everything that's coming in in jet aviation right now in the United States is Russian. So all these people that needed a jet aviation stopped buying. You know why? They didn't want to be sanctioned by the United States government. They're just sitting here in perpetual, oh, my God, I don't know. Folks, there's a lot of places that store fuel to, fuel around the world. The tanks are dry. Not that there's not being fuel being produced. Nobody knows what to do. And on one hand, well, I'm going to get it sanctioned by the United States. On the other hand, I'm going to piss off the Russians. They don't know what to do or go blind. And so what's happening is inventories are dropping. And while these two idiots, Biden and Putin, keep trying to show which buddy, who has the bigger Johnson, those prices keep going up and up and up and will continue to do so until either A, we lift the sanctions and put him back on SWIFT, B, the Russians and Ukrainians find solution, C, uh, Russia kills Zelensky, installs its own guy, and that guy comes out and says, hey, everything's okay. Now, do I think one of those three is going to happen? I do. I just hope it happens real fast. But understand, Joe Biden is lying to you because it has nothing to do with Russia. Russia wasn't going to shut off the world's fuel. They were willing to continue to send it. But when Biden went after it and says, we're not going to let you buy it, the world went, oh, dear. I'm not sure what to do. And these are facts, ladies and gentlemen. These are facts. So until that world supply starts going up again, those prices aren't going to go down. That's why right now you need to be calling the White House, going to whitehouse.gov, any way that can get to Joe or his staff and wear them out. Stop the sanctions. It's hurting us more than it's hurting them. Because I can assure you right now, the Russian people are not going without fuel. Now, maybe the ruble's down. Uh, they may be getting some hurt from stuff, but bottom line is, um, they're going to survive this better than us. And let me tell you something. If you don't know what a SWIFT is, SWIFT is a international system to pay for transactions, okay? And the problem we've got right now is you're going to start seeing, you've already started to see dropping of support for sanctions against Russia by a number of countries, and you're going to see the EU just drop off, and here's a simple reason they can't pay for their natural gas that they need to not freeze to death. They've shut down all their nuclear plants. They've shut down their coal fire plants. They can't get them up fast enough. They need the gas. They can't even pay for the natural gas because of the SWIFT sanctions. It, it, it's a cluster, folks. It's a cluster. And I will tell you, the U.S. is losing more and more support every day. And what's being talked about right now with, with possible chemical weapons, you're going to see it drop off a clip precipitously. And that's not good for us. Here's the other thing. Vlad is basically, they're going to come out with a gold-backed cryptocurrency. Now, I don't expect the people that are big into cryptocurrencies to go and buy this product because the folks that really like cryptos, they like them because they're not government. It's not a government fiat. It's not regulated. Of course, you know that's about to change. Now, 
by doing this, what Russia is starting to move through, they're going, okay, you want to take us away from SWIFT? You want to knock us out of the World Bank? Not a problem. We'll go to the gold standard. And I will tell you, there's a lot of countries, whether they like it or not, because of what's happened in the past 40 years, they have to buy from Russia. They do not have a choice. And so politically, while they may hate it, why it might not be in their best interest right now, why it might be against U.S. policy, I promise you they're not going to freeze to death and they're not going to have everything in their economy come to crash because they can't get fuel somewhere else and they're not going to do it to make Joe Biden happy. So global support is going to drop tremendously. When that happens, Biden's out there on an island. Now, right now, thus far, these sanctions have not passed the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate. That's separate from aid. That actually has to be a law or a bill that passes both houses, goes to president, signs off. He can rattle a saber, and he's done a lot of damage. But the reality is right now there's a period of time if that's not done, those sanctions wear off, and I think that's about another week. So this could also settle by going away. The sanctions need to stop because, number one, we've got some complicit, complicit parts here that are starting to come to the surface. We've installed a government that went from being pro-Russian to pro-U.S. because of selfish criminal interests of our politicians. This stuff's out there, folks. It's out there. We don't need to be submitting people, assets, or treasure to, to a cause. It's not just not that it's not a cause of our own. It's something that we've actually, <laughs> we've made happen. Everything that we're looking at, you can, you can trace back to the end of the uh, Bush administration and directly to the Obama administration. That's why we are where we are today. And I will tell you this, and you're not going to like what I'm fixing to say. If Russia is successful in going to the gold standard and China is already going, buddy, we're here for you. And Saudi's going, well, we're, we may not like you, but we've already got too much money with you. Those are two big players, folks. And if they go with them, we're about to see global distribution redrawn again. And here's what it does to our currency. The United States dollar has been allowed to go out and do the kind of debt and do the things that we've been able to do because all oil has been called the petrodollar. It's been required to transact in the U.S. dollar. What Joe Biden has put in process is, in effect, a way to take the U.S. away from the petrodollar. Ladies and gentlemen, that can have all kinds of damage to our economy. We can have people call our debt which would bankrupt us. I personally think they call our debt, give them the finger. We're just not going to pay it. Don't like it? Fine. And it could be an opportunity to become self-sufficient and we do what we need to do. But it will not be without pain. I promise you it will not be without pain. I would rather get self-sufficient by choice, not out of necessity. But that's something we have to be careful of. And that's something Mr. Biden is pushing for. You need to know this. Because if, if they change that and the fiat goes away, we got a problem. We got a real problem. Now, you know, I've come out and said they can have uh, Tehran. I'll take West Texas because that gets into an immediate short term. Why won't Joe Biden come to the energy sector and say, we can't do this anymore with Russia. We need to get back to energy independence. West Texas, Bakken, Philadelphia. We need you guys to go full bore. 
all those permits that we've not issued. We're going to give you every permit we can give you. A lot of people don't understand. They say, well, it's not just, you know, they're getting all the land leases. Well, first off, he stopped leasing uh, the federal lands for gas and drilling when he came in under executive order. The Supreme Court forced them to reverse that. But what the Supreme Court did not force them to do was issue permits. You must have the permits to go with these leases. And by the way, they pay a hefty price for this. Just so you know, they like pay like a 56% uh, a revenue tax for going in uses. There's there's a lot. The, the, this particular administration just whacks it to them. So you kind of wonder, well, why don't they get into it? Well, right now, it's not worth their while. They don't have the permits. So Joe could say, well, we're going to give you the permits. He could come back and say, we're going to turn on the Keystone Pipeline again. Now, what does that do? It doesn't do anything for Texas but it could do things for the back and play. It also brings down oil sands from Canada and we can get more refining. He's also got to lift the EPA restrictions on refining. So we can go from 35 and 40% to hundred percent capacity. We've got to have some incentives out there to build more refineries. You built a beast across the pond. You don't unbuild it until you do other actions. And right now the energy sector, there's, there's what I call the, the three tripod legs, okay? One of them is you have legislation, which is obviously the federal government, can be the state. You've got the finance sector that props it up, and then the third leg of the tripod is insurance. What has happened is Team Green has infiltrated, obviously, the legislative sector, but it's also gotten into the insurance side, and it's also gotten into the finance side. And you've got people on finance that basically say, well, I don't want to go out and invest in that anymore. It's not a green technology. I don't want to invest in, in dirty oil and calm blah. Well, you're a freaking idiot. There's a lot of money to be made and it helps our national security and makes the country better. That doesn't mean you stop green investment. That doesn't mean you stop fuel cell technology or nuclear continue to do those things, but we have to get investment back in the, fossil fuel sector for a decade it has been beaten like a stepchild to not invest so that's one part of the tripod that's got to be refirmed obviously the legislative part i've mentioned it the third part's the insurance part now insurance has been my industry for 30 years and i've done a lot in various sectors that i can bring the in, in information experience to you from what i've done in insurance but we got a whole another generation that's in there now part of team green we don't want to insure these type of projects oh yeah they're out there they're out there folks and i've done a lot on where to go to find these folks and i keep putting it on social media and i come and, and put it out again but right now i will be putting this week out a list of companies that don't want to do business with the fossil fuels uh chubb is one of them zurich is another one any company that doesn't want to do business with fossil fuels, you need to get away from. And so I'll be publishing that list again this week. And I encourage you to do what you can if you're doing any type of commercial, any type of residential insurance with them to walk away from them. Send a message. If you're not going to insure our interest, we're not going to insure with you. So those three tripods, the energy sector has been under attack. And we have to reverse that attack for them to have a stable footing. You can't, you can't have three legs out here uh, from insurance and finance and legislation 
being beat to death and wobbled over and expect the oil and gas industry to go out and expand right now. What is gas? hundred or a barrel of oil is 130 a barrel in other times and other administration, you'd be having wildcatters just jumping to get back in right now. They're like, uh-uh, not going to do it. Don't trust this administration. Haven't seen the right signals from the administration. Can't get the labor right now because of, of generation woke. Equipment's hard. I got to make equipment. I'm not going to do that with, with, with the legislative environment. Oh, and then I'm having trouble raising money. And then I'm not sure I can insure it. So the oil and gas sector, while they want to come in, they need some reassurances. They need to know that the government's not going to knife them in the back, that the investment community is going to be there, and that they're going to have an insurable product. Right now, one of the reasons that coal-fired plants are just going down like daisies is you've got a large sector of the insurance companies that used to insure these uh, plants. And by the way, they've been very profitable to them because of political pressures and because of the Paris Accord are saying, well, we're just not going to insure that anymore. That's how bad it is right now, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to have change. Now, you've built this beast. How do you unbuild it? Well, I've been talking about how to unbuild it, but the best thing is, do we have an opportunity to come out of this and make the nation stronger despite having a fool at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And my answer to you is yes. You see, deep down, I really don't care if we're buying Russian products. Deep down, I really would prefer that we not buy a single thing from China because I know that American jobs were sacrificed to get them where they are. Everything we buy from China, you're buying slave labor products. For those of you that like electric cars, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not anti-electric car. I like electric cars. I think they need to be phased in over time, not pushed immediately. You know, those batteries are built on the backs of child slave labor. And what cobalt mining does and mineral mining for e-cars is far worse than what you do in oil and gas drilling. You got to come to that realization. Now, ultimately, I think what we're looking at right now, and you've already seen some of the, what do I want to say, saltier comments. You know, Joe Biden said, don't blame me for gas prices. This is the Russia's price. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. But you're also hearing things like, well, if you had an electric car, you wouldn't have this problem. Now, this smacks of the same Arrogant, snotty, elite philosophy when they killed the Keystone Pipeline. Well, those people just need to go get a job installing solar panels. Really? Remember those? Remember those statements? What do you hear right now? Well, go buy an electric car. You won't have to worry about this. Just buy the car. Oh, my God. How? Heartless. Look, ladies and gentlemen, one of the reasons it's going to take a while to make conversions away and develop other technologies other than the internal combustion engine is because American culture is a car culture. 
It's a truck culture. It's been ever since they figured out how to put an engine in these, in those buggies and make them go. That's one of the attractions of freedom of the nation. You can have a, just a, just a horrible fecal matter day and you can go get out in a car and you can drive, even if you're driving in traffic, but you got that freedom. Electricity does not guarantee that freedom right now. It may in time, but so could fuel cells. So could hydrogen cells. There could be something out there. Hey, we might figure a way to put a little bitty peanut uh, microreactor in these things and run them. I think the future 50 years is going to be different. In the next 10 to 15, I, I don't think it's going to be that much different. But I think the future is going to have those transitions. And I think as long as we've got something, we can go out and press a gas pedal. I don't care if it's a manufactured. We're going to drive it. We're going to drive the tires off of it because that's our culture. And we like our culture. Now, what you're going to start seeing is you're going to see a heavy push. I don't know if this is planned or if it's just how it's shaping out, but you're going to see a heavy, heavy push by Team Biden to buy electric cars now. That's going to be the push. Well, if you bought an electric car, we wouldn't have this problem. You're, you're the reason we've got high gas prices. There's not enough of you buying electric cars. Well, keep this in mind. Number one, electric cars. There's not the infrastructure built out for full charging all over the place. I'm not saying it's not a bad idea. I'm just saying it's not here now. The time it takes to get a charge has not come down, in my opinion, to an acceptable manner where if you go out and you run your battery down, you can pull up to a station in 30, 40 minutes, boom, you're back on the road. Right now, it's anywhere from 6 to 12 hours. Hours. That puts you someplace you don't want to be for an extended period of time to charge your car. Um, that's a problem. I salute the pioneers right now in e-cars that are trying to make things work. I salute you. I think the development needs to go through, but I think it needs to be done with a smart, concise rollout plan. Recognize it's going to take 50, 60 years. If we had every car go electric today, we do not have the national power infrastructure to take away what you have operating homes, businesses, et cetera, and put it all to cars and combine them. We don't have it. The grid would go, <laughs> screw it, I'm done. That's a fact. So to push us to try to go overnight, it, it's not realistic. It's just not realistic. I'm not saying don't make the infrastructure, don't make the changes, but recognize it's, it's the only way. And then you've got to get more environmental. I'm not kidding when I'm saying it's, it is a rape on the environment for what they have to do for the batteries. You've got to get a different form that comes out there. So those are things that are legitimate problems that you have in electric right now that the industry's got to recognize and, and, and take advantage of. You know, we got to do some more technologically. But there's things coming out in other things, in hydrogen and in, in other fuel cells that may come out and compete with those. And they may build out their own infrastructure. That was one of the things that Nikola was talking about a few years ago with their trucks. They may come out with hydrogen fuel trucks and build out the infrastructure. I like that as a taxpayer. I like that. Because we know otherwise, they're going to try to stick it up our wazoos on the tax side. And since when? 
since when has it been the responsibility of the taxpayer to pay for R&D? I understand if we're talking ballistic missiles for defense or maybe, I don't know, maybe we should be doing that. But I'm seeing infrastructure for wireless or, or for, you know, internet data. I'm sorry. The companies that are going to get the usage fee should be paying that. They should be getting, borrowing the money from wherever capital they want to get it and put it in. My tax dollar should not go into building it and then we have to pay a usage fee. That's what they're trying to do with electric. They want to build it out and then you pay a usage fee. You pay for both ends of it. I'm not for that. And I think the only reason they, they know if they don't use tax money to do it, there's not enough pro-electric people that will buy the car. They're not contributing to the road and bridge fund. That's one of the things that helps build out the infrastructure. So for every electric car that's out there right now, that's less money going into the road and bridge fund. You also have to look at what it costs to insure them. Very high. Why? Because if you have an accident and you tear that vehicle up, uh, oh, brother, you, you, you better be having a drink and sitting down because it's going to take your breath away, which gets back to the parts. I'm just saying, if you want to go the electric route, know what you're getting into. Because right now, what Joe Biden's going to tell you is, well, we got to get out there. We got to go electric. We got to go electric. We got to go electric. Recognize the infrastructure problems. Recognize there are some challenges with e-cars. And if you're comfortable with that, go forth. Have the tools. One of the things that they're going to come out and say, well, you know, we've got to have more renewable energy to get these e-cars. Well, you know where I stand on solar and wind. They're, they're, they're never going to power the planet. Not in, the, not in my lifetime, not in yours. That doesn't mean they can't be used for certain applications. You can run businesses on them. You can run buildings. You can, do, you can run data centers on them, okay? But you're not going to run the world on them. So what are they going to push? They're going to push nuclear. Now, I'm not an anti-nuke guy. I'm, I'm all for nuclear. There's a lot of exciting development that's coming out in, in nuclear fusion right now. The problem is, is these are all using uranium. And thanks to, uh, well, thanks to Clinton, <clears throat> who sold most of our uranium. We quit being the top uranium producer a number of years ago. And Russia, oh yeah, Russia, is the world's largest producer of fissionable uranium. Which means if we go, if let's say we go, we all sit down and go, you know what, I, I think I like this new nuclear technology stuff and I think we need to promote it and I think that's going to be our, our energy of the future, which is what you will be hearing more and more and you're going to be hearing it called carbon-free. That's the sales pitch. It's carbon-free, which I don't have a problem with that, by the way. I'm just telling you, understand what you're going to hear. Well, we want that carbon-free nuclear energy to go. Okay, well, where are we going to buy the fissional material for? Well, we're going to buy it from this country, this country, this country. And we're going to buy it from Russia. I'm sorry, you're going to buy it from who? Uh, we're going to buy it from Russia. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Who are you going to buy it from? We're going to buy it from Russia, dadgummit. Oh, we didn't mean to say it that loud. Wait, you mean the same Russia that is America's gas, or is the world's gas stop or fuel stop? Wait, you mean we got to go back to them for nuclear fuel as well? Are you really saying that? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're really saying that. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's going to be. Do you want to be, let me ask you a question. Think about this. Do you want to be at the mercy of anyone nation, Russia or otherwise, 
that would be controlling the primary fuel source if we go all in on nuclear. No! That's my problem right there. Now, there is a different type of nuclear reactor called the thorium reactor, which my name uses thorium, which, by the way, the U.S. happens to be the world's largest producer of. Ho, ho! Problem is, is that the scientific community can't get together on thorium, and there's currently nothing in production on thorium reactors. From everything I've read, everything I've heard, and people I've talked with, thorium reactors are 30 to 40 years away. So this is, and if you make them, they're not, there's a different configuration from uranium. Now I'm bringing you this because this is going to be the push. Biden's going to, team Biden's going to come out and they're going to push. We've got to go electric and we've got to go it now. What's the answer? I agree we need to improve our electrical grid. I agree we need to go more, but I'm concerned about where we're going to buy it from. And one final thought I want to leave you with. This going and uh, possibly buying fuel from Iran and from Venezuela. First off, Venezuela, when we severed relations a few years back, they became a protectorate within 12 months of the Russian Federation. Whether or not you know it, you know it now which means we're not going to get a drop out of Venezuela. Um, and and it's, it's also, it's a thicker crude. It's more, but hey, you know, if you got it, you got it. We're not going to get a drop out of that. Russians, are, they're Russian protectorate. As far as Iran and Tehran is concerned, you, you got to think, why would you do business with these people? Why not just sit down and negotiate with the Saudis and the rest of OPEC to increase production? Because they can do more than Iran can do it. See, the Saudis hate Iran hate Iran. And right now, the reason they were so snotty to Joe the other day is this proposal to buy from Iran violates a treaty that Ronald Reagan put together with the Saudis in 1982. And if we violate that treaty, the Saudis will go, see ya. That'd be a problem. That would be a problem. So why not, you know, if you're not going to unleash American, which I think is the first way, why not buy from the Saudis? And there's really only one reason you can come back to Iran as to why they would want to do business with Iran. And that simple reason is, in my opinion, it could be the new D.C. political laundromat. Think about that. They sponsor terror. They're known to do all kinds of edgy stuff. Why else would you do business with those guys? Ronald Reagan rolled over in his grave when they started talking about that. I think it's a smokescreen. I hope it's a smokescreen because the Saudis, they'll drop us like a hot potato if we don't. All right, folks, we're out of time. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I hope you have enjoyed this program. I hope it's been educational, somewhat entertaining, make you think. And I'll be back next week with another message in the interim. Have a safe day. May God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. Hoo-ha, we're out. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share then.